I'm Lonnie Edwards, the founder of The Dog Agency and Pet Insider, and you're listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. This is a show about the latest and greatest across the pet world. Whether you're a pet parent or just a little pet crazy, Pet Insider has you covered. We get it. We're obsessed too. We've had a long history of owning companies in various parts of the companion pet ecosystem. And about uh, you know a year ago, we started talking about why don't we start a actively managed mutual fund. That was Mario Gabelli, founder, chairman, and CEO of Gamco Investors. Today, we also have Daniel Miller, lead portfolio manager of the Gabelli Focus Five Fund and a managing director of Gamco. Mario and Daniel will discuss the finance side of the pet world, their new Gabelli Pet Parent Fund, which is the first pet ETMF, and their predictions for the future of the pet industry. Now let's get back to Mario and Daniel. So let's touch on your background a little bit before we get into the pet space. So how did you get started in finance? That is a long time ago, but it was not complicated. I always uh, like to work for myself starting at the age of five, but independent of that, I think we used to hitchhike from the Bronx up to Scarsdale and caddy and uh, the other caddies would go take a bus back and I'd stay around after four o'clock and the specialists from the New York Stock Exchange, there were those individuals would come up and play golf and start talking about stocks and it sounded like better than shooting craps. <laughs> so that's how I got started. And fast forward, I joined a firm called Loeb Roads and a guy by the name of Michael Steinhardt quit on a Friday and on Monday I picked up his industries, which included autos, farm equipment, and conglomerates. So fast forward, I would visit companies that I liked, Hearts Mountain being one of them. They were located in New Jersey. Leonard Stern, that's the guy that put his name on the Stern School of Business at NYU had a pet business. In addition to that, we started following companies like Clorox, Church and Dwight, companies that had products catering to the companion pet market of which cat litter was an important one. And so we started looking at that ecosystem. And then somewhere about the mid eighties, we started following Rolson Purina in St. Louis that had protein uh, for pets and companion pets. And then that was sold to Nestle. So we've had a long history of owning companies in various parts of the companion pet ecosystem. And about, uh, you know, a year ago, we started talking about why don't we start a actively managed mutual fund. Uh, And uh, Dan volunteered for that. And we have done a lot over the years in terms of veterinary companies and organic food. And uh, clearly, uh, we announced what we were doing prior to General Mills buying uh, Blue Buffalo and also Schmuckers buying, uh, it's called SJM, is a civil buying a company called Ainsworth that put them more deeply into the pet food business. So Dan has started it. It was launched last days week. ago. Last, last week. Yeah. And it's called Companion Pets or Pet Parents. The actually, the Pet Parents Fund is the <laughs> full name. And Dan just came back from London visiting companies that are in that ecosystem. So, uh, And so then before we dive too deep into the Pet Parent Fund, Dan, how did you connect with Mario and get started together? Well, I, I didn't caddy uh, growing up, but I did have a passion for stocks and actually attended a stock camp in Palm Beach at the Breakers Hotel and uh, when I was 13. And uh, then I, uh, I went to school down in Miami and that's where I met Mario and I've been with the firm for about 16 years and help uh, the team manage various portfolios. And I suppose as uh, a passionate uh, dog owner, since I grew up really, I kind of uh, kind of fell into the pet parent. Yeah, we were we ah. had our own version <laughs> of uh, German short hairs and uh, a bunch of other uh, companion pets, ranging from the, the gerbils to uh, snakes to uh, <laughs> cats, and uh, so we've had them all. Awesome. No fish. 
I'm sure we did have fish <laughs> at some point. Perfect. Okay, so so now getting deep into the Gabelli Pet Parent Fund. Uh, so this is the first of its kind, right? The first pet-focused ETF? Yes, as far as I know, um, we're the only uh, pet-focused investment uh, fund. Uh, I've heard rumblings that there could be others launched, but... Uh, but you know, we are the only one to have gone out and trademark the name. We're out investing now globally uh, in, in pet companies uh, that are involved in uh, the manufacture of pet food, especially in the area of natural and organic. And we can talk about that if you'd like uh, in terms of pet uh, diagnostics, how to keep your pet healthy, therapeutics, medications, pet insurance. We cover the ecosystem that covers the entire companion pets defined as cats, dogs, and companion horses, plus others. So uh, when you look at companies like that, we go out and visit them as opposed to some of the others that are going to follow what we're doing. Uh, they just buy it off computerized uh, dynamic. And what's the benefit of going and visiting them? We see the managements and how they allocate capital. What do they see in the world over the next 10 years? What's their vision as to how they provide the necessary supplies that a pet parent would need? Food, veterinary supplies, clothes, and everything else that a companion pet or dog or cat would need. And what do you look for specifically when you're visiting these companies? Well, I'll let Dan talk about that, and I'll go back and hitchhike on some of the ones that uh, he Yeah, dealt. I mean, as a firm, we invest. We're active managers meaning that we do research on companies, we go out and visit with companies, we talk to the uh, CEO, the CFO, understand the balance sheet, how they intend to allocate capital, where they want to invest new dollars in growth, like natural pet foods is an area today where you've seen deals, uh, and you understand how they run the business for shareholders, as opposed to, as we said earlier, an ETF that might just look at the biggest companies in the pet area and own those. A good example of just a small, tiny company located in Chicago. It's got about 7 million shares. The stock sells around $40. So 7 million shares times 40 equals $280 million. So that would be what we would have to pay if we bought the entire company line, you and I, uh, and Dan, and put it together. So what is the shareholder buying? What will the ultimate owner get? The Jaffe family has been running it for an extended period of time. And what attracted me initially was they had a product called clumping cat litter. And then they made it lightweight. And in order to do that, you have to integrate uh, backwards. That is, you have to own the sources of production. So they have uh, mines in the United States that give them a long live supply. And then you go in and say, okay, how are you guys marketing this? Who are you selling it to? Uh, who are your competition? Then you visit the competitors and you try to figure out why do individuals want to use that? How does the notion of individuals coming and living in the city and how do they like living alone and do they like a companion pet and are cats important and how does clumping cat litter, a lightweight company, fit into that? So that's one of the examples. And so you follow a company over an extended period of time, you get accumulated knowledge about how the management allocates capital and that's what we do. And then we package it together. Dan is packaging it together in a fund that he's running and uh, that's an, uh, actively managed, so things do change, and uh, we take advantage of that. And so a technical question. Um, so it's technically an ETMF, is that correct? Yeah, we've, we've taken a license from a firm called NextShares, which has developed this model for an actively managed 
non-transparent ETF. So we're using their infrastructure. They, we have our own proprietary judgment, but it's easier, at least that's what we thought. So a potential owner that shares what we believe or an owner of a business that was just sold or someone that has a veterinary operation or someone, uh, unfortunately, Mars, which is owns a vet, uh, most of the vet companies, they're private, so we wouldn't necessarily follow. They could buy this bundle of companies that cater to what we perceive to be a particularly uh, good growth rate over the next 10 years uh, because of the aging population, because of the changing of uh, where people live and what they need. Our fund uh, trades on NASDAQ. The symbol is PETZ, P-E-T-Z-C. How did you come up with the symbol? You had to pick uh, five letters and <laughs> try every combination you could with PET in it. I think, I think it was my fourth or fifth. Awesome. That so Dan, uh, you know, Dan, as a parent, uh, picked the name of the companion <laughs> that he's uh, now uh, going to be working with. P-E-T-Z-C. Okay, so speaking of um, growth, the growth of the pet industry and spend on pets has been exponential over the past few years. Uh, can you touch on that a little bit and why you think that is? Well, it's about $70 billion in the U.S. this year, and that's up around 30% over the last five or six years. And the biggest component of that $70 billion is, is pet food, which is today about $25 billion. And that's growing as people think more about the health and well-being of their pets, clearly. And things like eating gluten-free, grain-free, and the benefits of that on your pet's skin, digestion, energy levels. Same as really the human mindset today where we're thinking about our diet. And so as those new areas of science and growth develop, you're going to see the pet market start to really take off. Yeah, for example, today we're doing research around the world. We have an office in London and they have accumulated companies that would fit into our model that have been around for a while doing particularly interesting things. There was an article in the Nikkei Asian Journal today talking about how the uh, pet parents, particularly uh, in China, women buying pets and cats in particular, and the growth rate, is, is, and that's extraordinarily that that's going on. So uh, the uh, $70 billion breaks into a variety of components, including, as Dan indicated, food being one, but clothing, shelter. You have a dog walkers in New York, as an example. And then in addition to that, you have, uh, if you're leaving for an extended period of time, you have uh, place the homes for the uh, pets to be uh, and companion pets to be put. But there are also changes going on, you know, areas like at the vet clinics, because of the way pets are eating today, healthier, they have less need for certain treatments, but they're doing other things, balance it out, like diagnostics. So you have companies like Abaxis and Idex who are now giving the vets tools to go in and diagnose certain conditions like atopic, which affects skin from, from you know, being outside in the grass and different pollens. And so those are interesting new areas of, of growth. Yeah, the other part that's intriguing, obviously, is you uh, pay for this yourself. There's no third-party pay, though there are some nascent insurance companies coming along. Uh, but by, by and large, unlike Medicare or Medicaid for an aging human population, this is uh, your own pocket that you're nurturing your loved ones. There are about 120 million visits to the vet every year from a cat and dog of a population of around 180 million, right? But only 2% of those visits are covered through insurance. 
It's a big market opportunity. And vets are going to do it themselves, selling health plans to cover you know, frequent visits, biannual visits, cover certain treatments. And of the companies that you're selecting, so you have around 30 companies now, is that yeah, we've so far identified about 30 companies globally that will own in this fund to start. And clearly there you know, will be consolidation and there'll be new companies that'll come to. Or market. one may grow too rapidly in price or it could be taken over like Blue Buffalo was by General Mills. And then we would substitute or to a minor degree expand the, the holdings. And that is what Dan will do in terms of his stewardship of those assets. Which is the benefit of having a big team of uh, analysts that we have that help us look at you know different types of companies as we actively follow the space. So we have as a firm 40 analysts, some of whom do cover this in different ways. Like I said, somebody that covers the oil dry out of Chicago is not necessarily the same person that does veterinary care or someone that uh, would cover some of the food companies like Schmuckers and we could start it as a peanut butter and jelly company. Primarily jelly and then they bought peanuts from uh, uh, butter from uh, Procter & Gamble. So with Smucker in particular and the Rachel Ray Nutrish purchase, do you think that General Mills and Blue Buffalo, do you think a lot of human, traditional human brands are just doubling down in the pet space or are you seeing more consolidation within pet brands and the mergers and acquisitions? Well, they understand the channels of distribution where the consumer goes. Amazon also understands that. So you have a variety of and proliferation of places in which someone can buy the supplies they need. So a large company that already is covering these with a consumer product, uh, in theory, understands that. Uh, what they needed to do is to uh, understand also what the millennials and the Gen Zers and everyone else wants, and that is... You, you don't want to feed, if you're going to buy organic or natural, you don't want to substitute and start changing methodology. There have been companies, particularly one located in Cincinnati that bought a company which was a high-end premium product and then somehow the formula changed and they lost a pretty good share of their business. So it's constant change at the company level, but generally it's someone that understands where the consumer, who is the consumer, where are the 94 million companion uh, uh, cats and 88 million dogs and 8 million horses, where are they and how to, what companies supply with the ingredients to them and try to get shelf spaces. No different than anyone trying to start a business. Yeah, maybe I'll just add the fact that as brands perhaps become less important to humans, uh, these companies have to adapt and change. And so to buy Blue Buffalo is a natural extension of, of uh, what they're doing in the, the packaged food area. And it gives them growth. Of the approximately 30 companies that you're invested in now, is it heavy dog food since that's such a big piece? Or how did you split that pie up? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really across the board uh, within the entire pet ecosystem. We own some that have uh, um, food uh, exposure, some that are in supplies, some that are in pet insurance, and obviously uh, all aspects of healthcare. And what are some of those brands? Can you talk about specifics? Well, let's give an example of someone that is in the ecosystem for food, both dry and wet. Uh, so a Nestle's would be in that as an example. Yeah, Nestle's a global company that's been you know doing deals and supplies pet food uh, kind of across the range of the value spectrum from you know more of the, the old school dry pet food to now what's becoming uh, more uh, in style, which is... Salmon. <laughs> exactly. But to answer the specific question, when you have an actively managed fund, 
It is also non-transparent, which means that you can't look into our fund and see what's in it until the end of each reporting period, which is quarterly and which is on a calendar year basis. So that our first quarter will be June 30th, which is this week. So you'll be able to see some of the names that we use in the portfolio. Uh, but generally, it's a limited universe, particularly if you want to deal with the uh, publicly traded companies like Mars, which you know is a candy company, is also a very substantial uh, company in the pet food business. As far as being the first to do this, why do you think no one had done it yet? And what kind of sparked the idea to create the first? Well, I think the notion of accumulated and compounded knowledge of certain industries and then looking at, because we have such a large number of analysts and each one talking about sectors and growth rates, you connect the dots. And having had companion pets on our own, it was the notion that we had been involved for a long period of time with Ralston Purina, with Oil Dry, with other companies like Schmuckers and Buying Ainsworth. So it just said, hey, we've got to do it. Secondly, uh, there are some benefits to a creating an electronically traded fund that's actively managed, one of which is there's a particular tax structure that is not as available in mutual funds, uh, that could ch that should change and it will change. So um, that's why we did it. Uh, it took us probably four months to get approval, even though we had a license from an entity that had the infrastructure, but it still had to get our own version of that approved by the regulators. And so it's uh, long and, and just, I think we trademarked the name a lot sooner, uh, <laughs> uh, probably last year at some point. Yeah, and there's just been so much interest uh, in this notion of a pet-focused fund. I mean, we've gotten calls uh, from you know consumers, individuals, news media, so we think we're in the right place. I agree. <laughs> and then, you know, in addition to that, uh, one of the chaps that runs the ASBCA uh, is a fellow that I've dealt with. 30 years ago, and he's now in charge of that. So we have a lot of dots to, that have brought us together. And uh, we started this before Blue Buffalo was actually announced as a takeover by General Mills, so among others. Timing's everything. Yeah. Uh, Mary, you've been following the pet industry for so, so, so long. What changes have you seen? What do you expect in the future? No, I think we kind of echo some of the comments we made about the notion that the pet parents of today are uh, different with regards to how they want to nurture and care for their companions. Uh, ex almost extended family members, uh, even though you had that before, is also another, they're better off economically and can afford it. And in addition to that, the other big change is that instead of moving out to the burbs, which allowed you to have companion, certain kind, types of companion pets, the notion of individuals streaming into cities changes that uh, in terms of uh, how you spend your money and the type of pet you have, particularly a, a companion uh, cat versus a companion dog. They're easy to take care of when you're, say, working 24 hours. And the growth, I know we've touched on that a little bit, has been so explosive. Do you expect it to continue at that rate? Like everything else, there'll be the spend per family member will continue to rise. The allocation of that uh, should not change much. Uh, how much you spend per year per cat, per dog, and per horse. Um, but what might change over the next 20 or 30 years is where you buy and how you source. Uh, you know, will it be delivered by drone 
Probably. <laughs> when you go shopping for it, and then if you have autonomous driving, you may want to. You may have people dwelling outside of the New York, uh, the uh, the areas of an inner city. Uh, so those have changed. Just like we went to suburbia, we went back to cities. We may go back to uh, because of economics uh, extended. Uh, areas of so the delivery systems will change, but I think uh, the notion of having companion pets, particularly with an aging population, will still be good. You'll have the, whatever they call the ten-year-olds of today in the future, the Gen Zers uh, are the more current name, but there'll be something else for ten-year-olds, and I don't even know what they are. What are they? Yeah, have? I mean, I would add two elements to that, and, and start by saying that today in the U.S., about sixty-eight percent of households have a pet. Right. And so that number will likely increase, not dramatically, but given what's going on in our social dynamics, you know, people want companionship and therefore pets are important. So you'll have more pets likely. And then number two is technology. And, you know, even though this fund will invest in, in public companies, we see a lot of deals for interesting new technologies like the Ubers for pets. Uh, someone sent us a deck, uh, Last week, we're looking at a, a new model where you have a car come pick up your pet and take them to the groomer. Yeah. And so you'll have more services like that and more technology, and that will grow the overall pie for pet spending. Yeah, you can find that instead of going to a vet, the vet will be in a mobile device, and it will visit you to provide the care on a certain specified hour, and that will be done on your app. And uh, the uh, just like uh, tomorrow, I'm visiting a company called Teladoc, which has a computerized outreach to doctors providing a service to individuals. Uh, you'll start seeing that so that if you need somebody at 11 o'clock at night, you hit a number and they can uh, diagnose and uh, bring the records of your companion pet up on online to figure out what you might need if it is in a an emergency or otherwise. Pet dental. It's an area that's really untapped. Oh, come on. MediPeds for pets is also very popular. <laughs> Are you able to invest in companies that aren't publicly traded yet? Not this? in this fund at the moment. Yeah, we're looking at only public companies. And are you doing anything outside of this fund in the pet space? Are you investing in these other types of companies? We're looking. So if you have an idea, call us. <laughs> yeah, you know, we are open to all suggestions. And obviously, uh, uh, we're not likely to do much what they call first round or angel investing, as you know. But we're clearly interested in late stage venture capital and understanding all the ecosystems. But we are, the other thing we're doing is going global. We have, as I said, we have an office in Shanghai. We have an office in Tokyo. We have an office in London, one soon to be in Milan. So we're covering these industries globally. Yeah, and there are smart people like you who are starting companies in the pet business. So, you know, yeah, we'd love to talk to anyone that has an idea that's compelling. And so when you're doing those, is it a separate VC arm? No, we have our own, we're a public company. So we have our own capital that could be put into a uh, venture capital opportunity Everything else constant. Good question. <laughs> Thanks. And have you done any of those in the pet space? We haven't done any privately uh, funded deals. Hopefully many will call and a few will be chosen. The uh, amount that someone could invest is how much? In other words, I can call your UBS. You can, you can open an account at Interactive Brokers, at Folio, uh, investing.com, or call us directly and uh, you can invest a $1,000 uh, into this fund. So an individual that believes in what we're attempting to accomplish, uh, we're a public company on the New York Stock Exchange. We're running these funds. We run about uh, $40 billion in equities and mutual funds. So we have been doing this 
for about four decades, and uh, we have a team of portfolio managers. Dan is running this one, but he has a backup team. And uh, so it's a fairly easy to invest, as little as, a, as Dan said, $1,000. Uh, so that's, um, uh, how would they reach you? Well, they can go online, uh, I suppose, to our uh, website, which is www.gabelli.com. G-A-B-E-L-L-I. <laughs> and then Dan Miller. So Perfect. So that, that's how everyone can get involved. Yeah, but they can also go to whoever they're dealing with. Is it available everywhere? Like, so I use TD Ameritrade. Can right. I? Exactly. Okay. So they, they should, uh, they may have... Uh, some logistical challenges, but we can overcome those. Just let us know. Uh, terrific questions, and I'm, we're delighted to uh, share with you our insights. And uh, since it's an ongoing business for you, it is also an ongoing one for us. And uh, this changes, and anytime, we're always available. Thanks for having us. It was fun. Thank you so much for being here. That was Mario Gabelli, founder, chairman, and CEO of Gamco Investors, and Daniel Miller, lead portfolio manager of the Gabelli Focus 5 Fund and a managing director of Gamco. To learn more and to invest in the Gabelli Pet Parent Fund, symbol P-E-T-Z-C, visit gabelli.com. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please leave us an awesome review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you have any pet-related topics you want us to cover, email us at podcast at petinsider.com. To listen to past episodes, visit petinsider.com slash podcast. I'm Lonnie Edwards, and thank you for listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. Talk soon!